like to turn with me. We'll be in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and we'll begin with verse 6 in just a moment. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, beginning with verse 6. It reads as follows, so we are always of good courage. We know that while we are home in the body, we are away from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. Yes, we are of good courage, and we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. And our thought for today is, do you please God? Do you please God? I don't know that it's something we discuss very often. As this thought came on me uh, Wednesday of this last week and I began to look for verses, it seemed like my flipping never ended. There's verse after verse that talks about pleasing God. There's verse after verse that talks about warnings of not pleasing God. There's verse after verse that talks about how we choose to please ourselves rather than the Lord. And then if you go beyond just that word please, pleasing, and look to the idea, the concept that I think is wrapped up in this, we see even more scripture that talks about this. So this is something that's very readily apparent all through the scripture, that we should please God. Now, sometimes, as you know, I struggle because there are two very clear reasons that we preach. The main focus is to proclaim the word of God. But there's two groups of people that I speak to every time when I stand before you. Those who know the free pardon of sin and have been saved and those who were not. And sometimes it's hard to know where to emphasize or where to put that order. But let me just start with those who are unsaved. Those who do not know the Lord. And start with an obvious answer to the question, do you please God? The answer is no. And there's no debate about it. Romans 8 and 8 says, Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You can try all you want to. You can do all the nice things you want to. You can read the Bible as many times as you want to. You can attend church all you want to. But if you don't know the Lord, and the scriptures say the Lord also knows you, then you are unpleasing to the Lord. There's no halfway measure between this. There's no good enough. Hebrews 11 and 6 says, Without faith it is impossible to please Him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who seek Him. And so, when we ask ourselves this question, are we pleasing to God? Those of us who are not saved and know it, you're not only not pleasing, the Scripture makes it very clear you're an enemy. That's a long way from being pleasing. But, as I pointed out last week in the service, being saved is only the beginning of an eternal consequence. 
For those who know the Lord and the free pardon of sin, who have placed their faith in Him, we are a new creature that begins at the moment that we are saved and continues on for all eternity. At the beginning of salvation and then all the way to the end. And that's part of what this chapter is talking about. Verse 9, so whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please Him. And as I mentioned too many times, I think if we were all honest, we'd say we really make it our aim to please ourselves more often than Him. But the point of this is whether we are at home with the Lord, as in we have gone on to our eternal reward, or we are away from the Lord, those of us who are saved who are waiting for that moment, our aim, our goal should be to please Him, not ourselves. And I'll even add, not the other people who are around us. Sometimes we get that mixed up too. It's easy to forget that this world is not really our home. And my goal should be to please Him. It should be something that I do constantly. And that's what the language implies. This is something we do habitually or constantly all the time. Now here's something you may not have really thought about before. I've mentioned it a couple of times and probably should take some time to explain it more, but we'll just lightly touch on it today. Verse 10 says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. Now last week we discussed that those who've done evil, those who are not saved, will receive eternal punishment. And those who have been saved will receive an eternal reward. But there is more to this than just simply that. There is in the scripture an idea that we will be rewarded for doing the things that we ought to do in this life. So brothers and sisters, those who know the Lord, listen to what I'm telling you. It is not simply enough to have been saved and then to continue your life and never consider how to please God. We are required to please Him after we've been saved. And the level with which we do that, there will be some reward for us in heaven. Now we struggle with this because we don't understand this Reward, And I'll be playing with you. I don't know exactly what that reward will be. I will tell you, I don't think it's that you're going to have a bigger mansion in heaven. It's not that your crown is going to be more beautiful than someone else's. But there is some level of reward for pleasing God here that we will receive when we get there. A couple of verses to back that up. 1 Corinthians 3 and 14 says, If the works that anyone has built... On the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. Luke 6 and 35 says, But love your enemies and do good, and lend, expecting nothing in return, and your reward will be great. Same chapter 6 and 23, Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, for behold, your reward is great in heaven. Matthew 5, 12, rejoice and be glad for your reward is great in heaven. Here's the point I'm trying to make in the opening. There is more to this world than what we see. And what really matters is how well we please God. 
How well does our behavior, while we're here, while we are away from him, how well does it please him? Because there will be rewards for how well we perform and do that here. Now, just in case anybody gets carried away, here's the reality. I can't do this in my own. Philippians 2.13, For it is God who works in you both to will and to act according to his good pleasure. See, I need to partner. I need to be one with God. I need his help. I need to collaborate, as we've said on Sunday night, over and over and over again. I need to partnership with him on a recurring basis to make sure that I am pleasing to him. It is not some type of cosmic test that God simply stands back from us and says, do as best as you can. And if you do super good, I'll give you a reward. No, he is saying, I want to be engaged with you. I want to know you intimately. I want to be a part of your life. I want to lead you in everything that you do on a daily reoccurring basis at an intimate level. And if you can do that, if you follow after me the best that you can, there will be rewards for you at the end if you learn to please me. But understand that everything that I do, both the will and the act that I have, comes from God. It is not of my own strength. And so we see it's not some great big huge test that we have to pass. It is a lifestyle. It is a way of living that we engage to please Him. We must yield to the Spirit, if you want to say that. And as the Scripture tells us, take every thought captive to Christ. So let me ask you again. Do you please God? Is it your constant ambition to please God? Perhaps, and I have some, I'm going to use some air quotes here. Perhaps it's easier for a quote, bad person to answer that question than someone who is, and I'll do this again in quotes, marginally good. Now think about what I'm implying there. If I was to go to the local jail this morning and ask everyone who's in there if they pleased God, they'd be pretty quick to answer no, just assuming, right? Okay. But if I ask you, the faithful who are here at church, if you pleased God this morning, you might tend to say what? Well, of course I'm here. But is that in fact the truth? You see the difference? So understand it might be very obvious to those who are out engaging in some type of sinful sinful behavior. Are you pleasing God? And it might be pretty easy, as much as they may not like it, to go, yeah, probably not. And sometimes we like to fool ourselves into thinking, well, because I'm doing what I think is, quote, good, therefore I must be pleasing to God. But I contend to you that that answer is not as easy as you might like it to be. And you'll notice... I didn't ask if you were good. I asked if you were pleasing to God. I don't think we think about this question very often. And in fact, really, this topic began several months ago when I was talking with a good friend who engaged me in this thought process and the way that he goes about his life, trying to ask himself, is this pleasing to God? And so let's think about this for a minute. We need to have a shift in our mindset to ask ourselves all the time, 
Is what I'm doing pleasing to God? So let's think through this for just a minute. Does this conversation, or is this conversation pleasing to God? I don't mean currently. I mean, this is what we should ask ourselves. When we're talking with another person, should we ask ourselves, is this conversation that we're having pleasing to God? Now listen, I can spend the rest of the service talking about a conversation, but we're going to go through a few of these kind of quickly to think about. There's no doubt you can think in your mind conversations you had with someone else that was not pleasing to God. Is the music you're listening to pleasing to God? And I'll, I'll just stop here and say, I'm gonna, I want to be very specific. I'm not talking about a type of music. I'm not going to stand here and say, well, this type of music's bad and this type of music's good. The question is, is it pleasing to God? You could be listening to a wonderful symphony by Beethoven, and if that's not what he wants you to do, then it's not pleasing to him. You see the point I'm making. What about the videos that you're watching? Ooh. Is the video pleasing to God? What about the book that you're reading? What about the game that you're playing? What about the social media post that you're, let's start with, reading? Is it pleasing to God? What about the one that you're posting? Kind of goes back to that communication thing. Here's where it gets really hard. I obviously made a list here. Is your worship pleasing to God? We had four or five Sundays we talked about worship over a year ago. We have to take that very seriously. Is your worship pleasing to God? Is your prayer pleasing to God? Never prayed for the wrong thing? We're quick to say prayer is always good, but if we know the answer is no, and we continuously pray for it anyway, is that pleasing to God? What about your motive? Is your motive pleasing? What about your goal? What about your use of time? What about your use of your ability? What about your thoughts? You see, this is the foundation of where we should be living As Christians, we should be asking ourselves this common question with everything that we do. And I'll even throw in there things that we aren't doing, right? Our inactions. Is it pleasing to God? Now, I want to talk about four common failures in this. And you can write these down if you want to. You'll know if you've taken notes, which many of you do. I'm not probably the easiest person to take notes from. I want to talk about four common failures when we talk about pleasing God. The first one is this. We often teach the shall not, failing to remember it's what pleases Him that counts. Often we teach the thou shalt nots in the Scriptures, and we don't consider what we should do, what pleases Him. So, 
Let me give you an example. If you live your life, say you memorize the commandments, and you have a challenge in front of you, and you say, well, let's see, it's not stealing, it's not lying, it's not committing adultery, so it must be okay. This is a dangerous place to be. And we tend to emphasize as Christians, as believers, that there's this long list of things that you should not do. But what we fail to teach sometimes are the things that we should do. What is pleasing to God? Because if we can answer that question correctly, what is pleasing to God? What happens to the rest of it? It kind of gets included. Is it pleasing to God to tell a lie? No. Is it pleasing to God to have an affair? No. Is it pleasing to God to covet something else? Clearly not. And so when we ask ourselves these questions, the other hard questions become easier to answer. But sometimes we fail to ever consider this, and we just teach, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. Now, the second common failure is similar, but I think different. We tend to focus on what's sinful, not what's pleasing. So the second one is we focus on what's sinful, but not actually what is pleasing. And again, I say this because I think many times and many people can go through life and say, you know, I, I, I don't steal, I don't do this, I don't do this, I don't do this, therefore I must be doing what's right. And that's not at all the case. And any of you who have grown at any measure in your Christian faith and walked on this earth for any amount of time, you know exactly what I'm talking about. It's why I said before, sometimes a prayer is not pleasing to Him. Sometimes worship is not pleasing to Him. Sometimes the good things that we think we're supposed to do are actually not what pleases God. And so we really have to ask ourselves, not just is this a sinful wrong act, but is what I'm doing right? We see this over and over again through Scripture. And if you really want to think about it some more, you can go back and listen to a sermon I did entitled Assumptions. We make these assumptions, we develop these things about how we think God works, and therefore we're just going to continue doing them over and over again. And He doesn't always work that way. The third thing, the third common failure, is we focus on the big and not the everyday. We focus on the big and not the everyday. <clears throat> so it's easier for us to say, God, what will please you? What career is it that you want me to have? Who do you want me to be friends with? Where do you want me to live? We think about these big things, and that's okay, because we want to make sure we please God in these. But what we fail to do is think about the everyday small things. When we get up, do we say, God, who will it please you today that I speak to? And what is it that I should say that will be pleasing to you? How much time should I spend on this activity as opposed to this one? And what is pleasing to you today? We are planners, we are thinkers, at least I am, probably more of an extreme than many others who are here. But regardless, we all like to plan, we all like to think about the future. 
And sometimes in our running around and our gathering together and our planning for the future and our concern over what does God want from us next year or in the next 10 years, we fail to even consider what does God want for me tomorrow. And we often don't ever consider what does he want for me right now? What am I supposed to do right now? So the third one is we, we tend to focus on the big things, not the everyday. And the number four, again, these are very similar, but I think they ask different questions. We assume the answer last time is the same today. We get very used to tradition. We probably all drive the same way to work almost every day. We get up generally at the same time every day. We do the same things over and over again. We operate on assumptions that we're supposed to, and I'm not being critical, come in here and sing the doxology and then have a handshake and then sing a hymn and then have an offering and then on and on and on. Is that really the way God works every time? Is that pleasing to him? Now, chaos is certainly not pleasing to him. We see that in the scripture too, so I'm not saying that we just have a, a free-for-all. But when the Spirit leads, when we are engaging with Christ on a daily basis, when we are truly seeking to ask what pleases Him in the little things, and He tells us something different, then we should do that or it's not pleasing to Him. And I have stood here before and changed my mind on sermon topics. Well, I guess I should properly say have had my mind changed on sermon topics. I have stood before you and not been able to preach. There are times we've had extra songs. There are times we haven't had songs. We have done and done different things at different times and in different ways. And if it's pleasing to the Lord, then that's what we should be doing. Just because God led you to a career 5, 10, 15, 30 years ago, why are we under the assumption that's still what he wants you to do today? That's still what's pleasing to him. Now, I'm going to get really mean. Just because we've always done it that way at the church, why do we assume that it's pleasing to continue doing it that way? Now, at the same token, there's tremendous value in those who've gone before us, who have learned important lessons and set spiritual precedents and things of this nature for us to follow, and we should not quickly just throw things away. But we always should be engaged in what God wants for us today, what is pleasing for him. And if it's pleasing that we sing the hymn two or three times, then we're going to sing it two or three times. If it's pleasing that I go past whatever my window supposedly is for preaching, I'm going to do it. If it's pleasing that it's a short sermon, then I'll be short. So, to review, the four things that are often failures that keep us from pleasing God properly. We tend to focus or teach on the thou shalt nots in the scripture. And we fail to remember that it's what pleases him. This is very basic for all of us. It's not so much whether or not we should be allowed to watch this movie or this video on social media or read this book or listen to this music. It's the question of does it please him? 
It's a very different question. Number two, we should focus um, not necessarily on what's sinful, but what's pleasing. Number three, we should focus on the everyday, not just the big things in life. And number four, common failure, we assume to answer, we assume the answer is the same as last time without living in it moment by moment. So when we focus on what's pleasing to God, it's our moment by moment thoughts and activities that are brought into focus and allow us to truly align my will with his. And I think it's often when we fail to consider what pleases him, I'm trying to trick him or bend his will into what I want rather than what he wants. So it's not just a checklist. I have to admit, though, wouldn't that kind of be easier? Wouldn't it be great if I stood up here and said, you know what? Tonight, Netflix, Amazon Prime, the news, whatever it is, you get 60 minutes and done. Right? That's what pleases God. Only 60 minutes. 62 minutes is not good. But I don't know that. Only you'll know that. Only you'll know whether it's 60 minutes or zero minutes or 120 minutes. I don't have that answer for you. And any answer I gave you today or that you heard from God today may not be the same tomorrow. Which means you must rely on him on a daily basis if you want to what? To please him. You have to ask. You have to listen. And you have to obey. Romans 12, 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is the good and acceptable and perfect will. I have a feeling we could study that verse forever. (laughs) And try to do that verse forever. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. How? The renewing of your mind. What is our mind supposed to be like? Like his. To be renewed. That by testing, we can discern what the will of God is. The good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Another verse, 1 John three twenty two says, And whatever we ask, we receive from him, because we keep his commandments and do what pleases him. And this is his commandment that we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as he commanded. How many of you, and I won't ask you to raise your hand because we'd all raise it, have ever been, will admit that we've been frustrated that we asked for something that God didn't give us. And we've talked about this numerous times over the last few years. But this says, and whatever we ask, we receive from him. Because we keep his commandments and do what pleases him. You could change the order of this sentence and it would still be correct and maybe more powerful for us. So let me read it backwards. Do whatever pleases him and whatever we ask we will receive from him. 
if I'm doing what pleases him, will I ask for something selfishly? Nope. If I'm doing what pleases him, will I ask him for something that I don't need? Nope. If I'm doing what pleases him, will I always be asking with the right motives and the right intent and the right desire and the right thought and so on and so forth? The answer is yes. And therefore everything I ask, he will give me because it's what he desires for me to have. We get this backwards all the time. And we somehow think that just because we're quote unquote good or because we do this, that somehow we can just name and claim this and get it. And what we should be doing is pleasing him and asking for help with that. So are you pleasing God? As I mentioned in the beginning, we are much better at asking ourselves this question than we are God. Are you pleased with yourself? Maybe your quick answer is no, I don't like the way I do this, I don't like my hair, I don't like the way I look, whatever. But we're really good about identifying those things and then trying to do something about it, aren't we? We're not very good at asking, do we please God? 1 Corinthians 7, verse 32, begins this way. I want you to be free from anxieties. Just stop there for a minute, let that sit. (laughs) I want you to be free from anxieties. If the last 19 months of our lives haven't taught us anything, it's that we have a lot of anxiety, don't we? I want you to be free from anxiety. The unmarried man is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to please the Lord. But the married man is anxious about worldly things, how to please his wife. And his interests are divided. The unmarried or betrothed woman is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to be holy in body and spirit. But the married woman is anxious about the worldly things, how to please her husband. Now that may seem kind of depressing, but let me read the next verse. I say this for your own benefit, not to lay any restraint upon you, but to promote the good order and to secure, I'm sorry, and to secure your undivided devotion to the Lord. This isn't telling anyone to get married or not get married. This is an example of the reality that many of us face. We have divided attention and we are anxious. And in some cases, we have to be. We have to take care of someone. We have to be concerned about another person. There are things in this life that will take our attention, that are appropriate, that are good, that we need to address. The problem, and I think the warning that the Apostle Paul is trying to tell us, is that we still must be devoted to God above all else. We still must be pleasing to Him if we ever have any hope of pleasing anyone else. If I'm not pleasing to God, I will not be pleasing as a husband or a father or a brother or an uncle or a pastor. Do we see how this unfolds? 
There are things in this world that we will have to do. We are here. We live in it. We have to have an income. We have to have something to eat. There are those we have responsibility over that we have to take care of. There are things we have to do. But if we miss all of that, I'm sorry, if we miss pleasing God, then we've completely missed the mark. Do not be anxious. (laughs) Interests that are divided. And listen, I'm, I'm talking to myself here. How many of you have divided interests? 100%. Our attention is divided. So I'm about finished. But I want to leave you with some encouraging words. So turn with me to Colossians, if you will, the first chapter. I remember as a young person getting frustrated sometimes that the pastor would preach and then Never answer his own question. And I like to ask questions. You've probably noticed that over the last few years. I like to ask questions. But I like to give you answers when I can. Now, I can't answer your question, do you please God? And even if I could at the moment, it might change in 10 minutes. Because it's a changing, repeated occurrence. But let me give you an example. Scripturally, if you're asking yourself, do I please God? There are some things you can consider. So in Colossians chapter 1, beginning with verse 9 through 14. Colossians 1, 9 through 14. And so, from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, here it comes, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the dominion of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. And so for those who are sitting here who know the Lord, who have been saved, who now want to do what is pleasing to him. Here are some ways to do that. If we want to be fully pleasing to him. We should be filled with the knowledge of His will. Filled with the knowledge of His will on a daily basis. I'll add that part in there. Yeah, He might tell you the big plan to do here, to go here, to get ready for this so you can do X. He might just tell you daily, my plan for you, my will for you is to do this. Filled with the knowledge of His will. If we want to be fully pleasing with Him, we should consider the spiritual wisdom and understanding. I don't have time to address this fully today, but there's a difference between knowledge, wisdom, and understanding. It's very clear in the Scriptures. We kind of lump those three words together, but they're not the same thing. So if we want to be fully pleasing to Him, we should pursue knowledge and spiritual wisdom and understanding. It's all important. 
If we want to fully please Him, we should walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. Walking implies action, it implies obedience, and implies movement, generally forward movement. We should be walking with Him every day, step by step, is what is pleasing to Him. If we want to be fully pleasing to Him, we should bear every fruit, uh, we should bear fruit in every good work. That means everything that we do, we should do with the fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, kindness, self-control. We must bear that in what we do. So when we go to work, when we engage with our friends, when we engage with our family members, everything that we do, the fruit of the Spirit should come pouring out of who we are. That is always pleasing to the Lord, which is why he says, with the fruits of the Spirit, against such there is no law. It's always right. It's always good. It's always pleasing. In the face of tragedy, in the face of diversity, in the face of someone's anger toward us to respond in those ways is always pleasing. If we want to be fully pleasing Him, here it says again, we should increase in the knowledge of God. What do you know about God? If you've been coming on Sunday night or reading the book, you've been challenged about this, haven't you? What do you actually know about God? If you want to be fully pleasing to Him, you should be strengthened with all power. Whose power? His power. It's not my power. I've tried to strengthen myself with power a lot. It doesn't seem to work out very well, at least not for very long. If we want to be fully pleasing to Him, we should have endurance and patience. I understand one of the most dreaded words of this church. But notice that phrase. Endurance and patience with joy. Listen. God knows it's going to be hard. He knows better than you. He knows the struggles. He knows the trials. In fact, He even knows what's coming that you don't know. He knows. And what does he ask? Endurance and patience with joy. Is that easy? Not a chance. Is it right? 100%. If we want to be fully pleasing to him... We should give thanks. It's an important part of worship too. Giving thanks. And so contained within this section, the Apostle Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, is telling the people in Colossians that he's heard about these things and he's been praying for them. And he's encouraging them to continue them. We should please God moment by moment. Let me read for you 2 Corinthians 5.10 in a different translation. This is in the Amplified, so some of this is in addition to help us understand better that verse. So 2 Corinthians 5.10 in the Amplified version reads as follows. For we, 
believers will be called to account and must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may be repaid for what he has done in the body, whether good or bad. Now, here's the explanation part of this. It says, whether good or bad, that is, each will be held responsible for his actions, purposes, goals, motives, or the use or misuse of his time, opportunities, and abilities. Wow. We'll be called to account before God how well we pleased him. And so we need to make sure that this is our focus, our desire, our daily ambition. Ultimately, as one commentator said as I was studying that verse, the way that we please God is the only thing we take with us. Because there'll be a reward for it. Everything else we build up around us gets left here. All the money you make stays. All the possessions you have stay. All the friendships you have stay here. The only thing that goes on with you that is a part of your reward that comes before the judgment seat of God are the ways that you have pleased him. So if you want a reward now, please God. And if you want a reward later, please God in what you do. It's vitally important that we learn to please Him. Let's pray.